Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are uh, grateful this morning to be joined by the brilliant Ivy Riggs of our legislative team. Ivy, how are you? I'm well. How are you all? Good. Um, session's about to start. Yay. That's Mo- why I'm well today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we kick off Monday with the state of the state. Um, is there anything we're expecting? You know, I think the governor's been pretty open about what his push for education is. Um and, and it's privatization, uh, vouchers, mm-hmm. uh, parent choice. He, um, he, he put a big, uh, a big statement out this week about what God wants for parents and children. And that is the parents to choose. And so I think, you know, I, I think all the writing is on the wall. Uh, we've seen um, Senate leadership has got a couple of big voucher bills. So I think that will be the theme for education. So when you say parent choice, Parents have choice in our public schools. They can go to whatever school, but he's not, that's, it's a different parent choice. Definitely. Definitely. When we say parent choice, we say we, we have choice. We have more choices in Oklahoma than, than any of our surrounding States. We have charters. We have an open transfer law. We have, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of choices for kids. We have, um, a very much expanded from last year, equal opportunity scholarship, mm-hmm. where if you make 140000 or below, you can apply for a scholarship to take your child to a private school. So we have more choice than any of our surrounding states already, but that's not enough for this governor. So um, after the state of the state, we're going to, we jump right into session. Lawmakers are starting with committee meetings just right on Tuesday. Correct. Correct. We had initially heard that for that first week, we wouldn't see uh, committees until Thursday, but we got an alert this morning saying they will go ahead and meet at their regular scheduled time as in years past on. So Senate education is at 9 a.m. on Tuesday. We are hearing that the House will not meet uh, in committees that first week like like normal. Uh, This is an unusually quick start for the Senate. Uh, They've said they want to, uh, their words, not mine, fast track several things. Mm-hmm. and 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 go quickly so um we are you know it's it's kind of buckle up and and get started so when we talk about committees can you give us just sort of a brief primer on how how bills become a law sure. and um your best and, schoolhouse rock yes <laughs> song yeah. form only please. Yes. no 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 one wants yes. to hear me sing but yeah <laughs> So, so real quickly, Senate bills obviously are authored by a senator, and those would have to go through the committee process in the Senate. Many bills in the Senate are, they call them dually assigned. So that means they're assigned to two committees. If there's any money involved, they'll go to their, uh, so so let's say education bills only. It'll go to Senate education, mm-hmm. and then usually an appropriations committee if it's going to be money. So like okay. this this voucher bill, uh, Senator treats a big voucher bill. Senate Bill 1647 is a is a big one. So, mm-hmm. so let's walk through that that life of that bill. Yeah. So so say it gets out of Senate Education and it passes, then it would have to go to full appropriations, which is Roger Thompson's. He's the chair of that committee. Mm-hmm. If it gets out of that, it would have to pass off the Senate floor. Then about spring break, somewhere around that is kind of our halfway point of session. Yeah. It flips and it goes over to the House. 
it starts that process over. It would get through House Committee, House floor, and then it would go to the governor. So there are 2,300 or so bills this session. That All of those bills are not going through that process. And we hear about, you know, there's lots of news coverage about these wild bills right now. And some of them are insulting and just to be real honest about it. Right. So so what we're seeing in the news right now is not helping the climate in our schools and and the the stress level and the level of of disrespect that our that our educators are feeling. We're seeing bills that are not trusting educators to be the professionals that we know them to be um, wanting to, you know, double check. Uh, what we're teaching, how we're teaching, how we're being trained, what what types of words are we using with children, what books they can read, what all of the things, you know, it, it, it goes yeah. on and on and on. Many, many, many of those bills will not see the light of day. Yeah. Um, we are hoping. Um, it, and it really depends on what committees they go to, who is the chair of that committee. The chair of the committee gets to decide if a bill is heard or not. Yeah. Most of the time. If it's a Senate leadership bill, maybe it, 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 you're told you have to hear it. There are some exceptions to that, but yeah. overall, they're kind of the gatekeepers of that. And so a lot of those bills will not see the light of day. So you'll see a press release because that's the only shine that bill might get. Oh, that makes sense. Right. So hopefully this is the only attention it will get yeah. on so, some of these crazy bills. Yeah. So Ivy in committees, um, it is not... <clears throat> equal in the amount of Republicans or Democrats or independents, whatever their political affiliation, it's proportionate to what they are in that chamber, right? So like if there is more Republicans, there are more Republicans on the committee. If it's more Democrat, there's more Democrats on the committee. Correct. And so in both chambers, there are more Republicans than Democrats. And so every single committee is made up of more Republicans than Democrats. And so you know, I think that's I think that's a, a good segue to how we have to approach this, regardless of your party. May, form a relationship with mm-hmm. your person, right? Yeah. Um, if you're a Democrat, we cannot just talk to Democrats. If you're a Republican, we cannot just talk to Republicans. We really mm-hmm. have to to really make that connection. And if you are an education employee, like our members, um, talk education. Um, these people yeah, yeah. support their schools, right? right. Our, our rural legislators realize that the school is the center of their community and that they are doing really great work and they want to support their schools. And so we need to convey this voucher bill will take resources from your school. Please don't support something that's going to take resources away from our rural schools. Yeah. We're already struggling with resources. So those are the types of conversations, regardless of party, right. that we need to be having. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm constantly saying, tell your story. Tell it in the grocery line. Tell it in the, the place that you worship. Tell it to uh, community members. We need to be, everybody needs to be knowing what's happening in our schools. Yep. So um, all of the crazy bills aside we have good things that we're looking forward to we really do we we've got a, a we didn't do a lot of bills this year but we did ask for some bill authors some legislators to run a few bills for us uh-huh. um knowing we were going to have to fight some ugly stuff we tried to keep it to a pretty short list so we've got a, a 
Representative Van Curen in the House is running House Bill 4109 for us, which is an employee assistance program, which is some uh, mental health services, um, financial services, lots of coordination of services for our for our people. That program is, exists for state employees now, so we're asking to have the same opportunity as state employees for those services, um, and that is run by the Department of Mental Health. And Van Curen is himself a former educator and coach. Correct. And and yeah. mental health in schools has really been, he has been a champion for mental health in schools. And so awesome. he totally sees the need um, for our employees having uh, a healthy uh, mindset as much as our kids. Yeah. Great. Uh, the uh, Another one that we've got is uh, Representative Tammy West is running a community schools bill for us, House yes. Bill 30, 3374. And we're really excited about the new program we're bringing. So before, before we talk about, well, let's, for folks who might not be aware, Catherine, will you give us a, just a look at what is a community school? What does that mean? Because we think of all of our schools as community-based yeah. schools, but yeah. what is a community school? Yeah, that's a great point. We, you know, we have, um, in, in majority of our schools, we have foundations that help with, work with the community and other things, but mm -hmm. this is taking it and bringing all the resources from the outside into the school is the best example I can give. But the really, really cool part is it's decided at that school level. It is their, their, their school looking at itself and saying, what are our needs? What mm -hmm. are the needs? that our students have? Is it where they don't have access to healthcare? Can we bring that in? So Tulsa mm -hmm. Union, um, some of the schools in Tulsa Union are perfect examples of that, um, where they built clinics on site. That's so so that, cool. was, that was so important to them that they have access to health and healthcare and they, and they set that system up. Um, it is, but it's, it revolves around families mm -hmm. and the families of that school. It is really, truly exactly what the name says, is bringing community supports to the school to help their community and, and make, and so you shouldn't, everything's right there. You shouldn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should have it right there. And especially I think for our, our rural schools and our, our urban schools, um, but it's based on their needs. And that's the beauty of the bill that Representative West uh, is bringing. Is, well, that's what, that's yeah. what I was gonna ask. What is What does Representative West bill do? So her bill um, basically just puts in statute, puts in state law, the option of a community school so that through the State Department of Education, Oklahoma can apply for some federal funds to create grants for schools that want to do this. That's all. It just makes it allowed. So, right now it's allowed, but in order to really get a, a part of the federal money, we really need it to be in law. That's one of the one of the things that that need to happen. So basically, this is not costing anything, and not if anything, not. it's bringing in federal grants. Correct. Correct. Awesome. And there is a lot of federal grants with the with the ARP funds, with the with the the relief funds, mm -hmm. all the all the different types of relief funds, <laughs> all the different names. There are a lot of, of of funds set aside for community schools specifically because they have shown so much more success. Uh, and, and they look different in every community because yeah, it's yeah. what does your community need? Right. That, that, that's what's important. So we're very excited about that. 
Um, House Bill 3072 is a, a national board certification bill to bring back that stipend for, for national board certified teachers. Um, right now, it's just $1,000 on the salary lane. It used to be 5000 so less and less people are doing that and renewing because it is a great undertaking, but it has proven to be the best professional development that we know of. So uh, Tony Hassenbeck, uh, Representative Hassenbeck, is actually running that bill. Can I just say something that I learned the other day about this that blew my mind? Oklahoma is number 13 for the number of NBCTs that we have in the country. But, and I mean, you can attribute that to the stipend. And this year, there are only four. Four. four that so it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, you can just see that curve because yeah. that stipend went away. Well, yeah. right. Go ahead. Oh, if, if we would have kept the robustness of this program going, I, I truly feel we know statistically that National Board helps retain teachers. Yes. We, we would not have been in the deficit that we are in now. If we would have invested like we initially said we were going to invest, um, we would, I, I really truly on the teacher shortage front, uh, we would not have seen
we've been really excited to get uh, Representative Johns and also Representative Talley. Uh, they ran an interim study and we got to have big yeah, input into that right. this last fall mm-hmm. and they both really see the need. So they kind of are partnering on this, but Ronnie, uh, Representative Johns name is on the bill and Representative Talley is very much a, a, a partner in that. And so we're so thankful for all of these bill authors for, for taking up uh, these issues with us. So, Ivy, we have some, we have champions we in do. our legislature that champion our public schools and our public schools employees. And right. And, and let's, let's put it out there. They are offended right along with us by some of these mm-hmm. insulting bills, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to put out a press release saying, oh, let's don't do that because that's not professional either. So yeah. we don't, we don't fight bad with bad we right. just try to continue to do the right thing and, and I think these are an example of some partners that are willing to do that with us so in our champions really highlight it's not if whether you're a democrat or a republican it's about the e it's about education because we have we have champions on both sides of that absolutely so because so I hate to even ask because it feels like good lord we're not we haven't even started and we're asking people to do stuff but with the senate really getting going tuesday morning what do what do education employees need to be doing right now we are asking in our uh, our legislative update that will come out this weekend is going to to say this we are asking you to contact your senator now this weekend mm-hmm. before tuesday to please vote no on any voucher. Yeah. We we highly anticipate Senator Treat's two voucher bills um, to, to move through that process pretty quickly. We have not seen an agenda. They don't have to put an agenda out until 24 hours before the committee. So we may not see that until Monday morning. Mm-hmm. But regardless, your message can be, please vote no on any voucher, any yes. voucher, anything. And by my definition of a voucher, our definition of a voucher is anything that diverts money from public schools to a private entity, period. You can, and there you can are, call it what you want it. You can tie a pretty bow around it. It's a voucher. Could you call it OEA, for example? <laughs> yes. Senator Treat <laughs> named his bill the Oklahoma Empowerment Act. And if you make that an acronym, it's as OEA, which is ironic. Um, and 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 we don't we don't want it. We don't want any. He has two. One that's trans that's allowing for transfers out of F schools, mm-hmm. and then one that is for anyone for any reason. You never have had to go to a public school, ever, and you get to take your money, and and so. You know, we we look at uh, we look at areas that have private school choices. Um, the amount of the vouchers nowhere near enough to pay for private school. Yeah. Um, and and it's uh, it's going to make the kids left behind in those public schools suffer for it because you're you're taking resources away. We have our philosophical belief is that public money should support public schools. That's our constitutional commitment. Period. Yeah. It's just, it's just the reason why behind community schools, we need resources in our schools. We don't need to take resources out of our schools. Right. So contact your senator. Contact your senator. If you don't have a senator on that education committee, the Senate Education Committee, 
Um, they serve our entire state because every every senator isn't on every committee, mm-hmm. but they they serve our entire state. So contact that those committee members, but for sure contact your senator. Yes. So Ivy, if people are like, "Ooh, I don't even know who's on that committee," How, where would they go? OKSenate.gov okay, is that. also you could yeah. also go to okea.org/slash/2022-session. Oh, there you because go. you can find all of our education committee members on there and a link to find your senator and representative. So either place, yes. one of like them to give choices. Sure. choices. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Ivy, for the information as always. And um, good luck this session. Thank you so much. Well, we are joined now by Ellen Pogamiller, a member of our legislative team. Ellen, how are you? I am doing well this snowy Friday. Yeah. Uh, Well, we wanted to uh, talk to you about vouchers, Um, everyone's favorite topic. And by favorite, I mean least favorite. So um, you've been doing a lot of work with with, uh, the Public Funds for Public Schools Coalition. And we wanted to talk to you about that and kind of what's going on this session. So can you give us a big picture view of what is the coalition? What's it about? That kind of thing. Yeah, so last year, um, many groups across the state representing school board members, administrators, um, parents from rural, urban, suburban school districts, um, retirees, people who believe in public education, realize that um, we were getting um, hit by individuals who thought, hey, we don't, we want public funds to go to private schools. And we weren't using the same tactics to kind of talk about why that is not an effective tool to improving education for kids in this state. Mm -hmm. So we banded together last year to kind of just start working together to talk about the importance of funding public schools. And so this session, um, we are meeting again with this coalition of diverse groups who um, have really noticed an increase in the amount of voucher bills that have um, been entering into session each year. This year, there are 13 voucher bills, um, but we have one voucher bill that's um, good. Um, it looks at the equal opportunity voucher, and it reduces the um, the amount a family can make. Right now, it, depending on your size, it's insane. You know, basically up to over 150,000 families could qualify, and now it reduces it to 60,000 straight. You know, no matter what, in order to qualify, you would have to make less than $60,000. Can I just say something real quick about the number of voucher bills we have? And I know that we've got one good one, and then we've got the dirty dozen. But last year, we also had 13 voucher bills, which was the most in the country, the, the whole country. And here we are with a massive number again. That is just wild to me. So what? And so we wonder are, why educators feel attacked. Right. And our public schools feel attacked. Right. And, and I think it's important. We always have this discussion with legislators, with state officials about regionally. How do we compete regionally? Sure. You know, how do we compete for schools regionally? How do we compete for educators regionally? Right. How do our students do regionally? And regionally, we have, as you said, Carrie, more voucher bills, but we also have more voucher options in this state regionally than the states around us. 
we, we have lots yeah. of choices. And sending lots of money, the most in the region. Yes. To yes. private schools. Yes. So um, we're, we're looking at voucher bills right out of the gate. I mean, there's the state of the state Monday, and then we're hearing that it could be Tuesday. Yes, that is correct. We are hearing um, two bills um, that are trying to be um, fast-tracked, I guess is the word, mm -hmm. um, in hopes of trying to not allow the public the opportunity to see how, um, you know, completely terrible these bills are um, to public schools and the public good as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and those we think are coming straight out of the gate. We have Senator Treat has two bills. One, Senate Bill 1583, that looks at um, people who, students who attend, and I would put that in quotes, there's no qualifying attend. Denver says the difference between attending a day at an F school or attending an entire year at an F school. Um, and you would get a scholarship for um, to attend private school. Um, but the most, I think, egregious is the Senate Bill 1647, which is the Oklahoma Empowerment Act, which allows vouchers for private schools and you name any other thing that you think you should be able to use and qualify as education. And this bill does that. Which is wild. I mean, that like that you could just use, it's very similar. You can use it for anything and that you deem educational, which is very similar to the Epic, and you can't see my air quotes, but they're air quotes, learning Why fund, which was then under investigation for improper use. Like we know, <laughs> I just, I find that wild. You know, the amazing part of this bill, the thing that just hits me to my core is that <clears throat> students that are currently not attending a public school, not attending, they're currently in a private school, they're homeschooled, wherever they're schooled, can go and get this voucher. And it, when we do state funding, we calculate it on how many students are currently in your school. Mm -hmm. So that's how your, your calculation is done. So it's not how the schools are not going to go, hey, there's this many kids in your district that attend private school or homeschool, and we're right. going to give you more money so they can go get that voucher. No, it's going to take this off the top of what you're currently getting. And that's everybody. Going, yes. And so it's going to everybody. Shrink, exactly. It's going to shrink the pie and it's going to shrink the slices. So, I mean, and uh, I'm going to keep it together. I just it. It's something that even though you are maybe are, are in a community that doesn't have a private school or you don't have a, a you know, some kind of other option that way or a, a religious school, this is coming out of your funding off the top before you even get started. So it, this isn't, um, I think sometimes people say, oh, well, that's just like a problem in the bigger cities where they've got more school, more private schools. This is not, this is literally every school district is losing funding straight out of the gate. Yeah, and I, and I think the other challenge is when we talk to legislators about the importance of funding school, we, at public schools, we talk about the many mechanisms that we have to ensure transparency and accountability. Yes. For those schools. Yes. And when you look at this bill, it removes an almost distance, you know, private schools from um, attaining that same level of transparency and, act mm -hmm. and accountability. And regardless if I'm a parent of a public school 
child. I'm also a taxpayer. And I feel like this bill, you know, is so disingenuous to our taxpaying community that has certain requirements they expect that their money will go to for fund for kids learning um, throughout this state. Yeah, it's like I, I often think about my taxes go to pay for public roads, right? But I do not get to say, you know what? I really use my the private roads of a turnpike more. And so I need to have an account set up for my tax dollars to go straight to my Pike Pass. And this right. is basically what this does. And it just sets up an account. Right. That's the scary part. And that when you talk about transparency, Ellen, and accountability, it just puts it into an account yep. for them. And that that account accrues month to month, whereas again, our school districts are required to spend out each year, you know, and um, this yes, is their allotment. And these individuals can accrue the money year after year. Um, and it has nothing to do with the priority of saying this money is to fund education for this school year. It is right. it is just an open account. Oh my gosh. So we need people. So what do we need people to do? We need people to take action now yeah, so before absolutely. the session even starts. Yes, <laughs> we need action now. Um, okay. We know that the Senate Education Committee they've just announced will be meeting at 9 a.m. on February 8th. That's okay. a Tuesday. Yes. And so we are asking members, your family, your community to reach out to Senate Education Committee members. Um, I don't have a Senate Ed Committee um, member. Uh, my senators does not sit on that. Okay. Um, but those individuals that are selected for the committee represent our entire state. Mm -hmm. And so it is their obligation to listen to, you know, just because I'm not their constituent, to the broader constituency as a committee member representing the entire state. Okay, so... Like, like my senator does not sit on Senate Ed. I want to I want to make contact with them. Do I just go pick someone off the list? Do I pick someone who's like kind of close to me? Like, how do you know who to, you know, because there are um, more than a dozen people on that committee. How do you know? How do you know which one? Do you call the chair? Do you like, what do you do? I, I mean, I think it's it's a time situation, right? So if you have limited amount of time, you could do two things. One, you could just contact the chair and co-chair they're mm -hmm. they're really the lead people of that committee which is um which as senator adam Pugh and senator Dwayne pemberton or mm -hmm. you can also look at maybe those um districts that represent someone near you yeah or if you have lots of time contact all of them yeah yeah so what catherine we were talking earlier about how how to contact people um can you give us sort of a refresher on if you're sending an email, let's not start it with, I hate you <laughs> or <laughs> like, I can't believe that you're doing whatever. Like, how do you, how do you communicate effectively with lawmakers in a, in a way that's professional, but still conveys your point? Yeah. Lawmakers will tell you if they get at what we call canned emails, it's just a copy and paste email. Yeah. They don't, they don't count those. They don't yeah. look at them. They don't consider them. What we need is, um, is three easy steps you can do. First part, introduce yourself. Uh, you, you know, it's all about relationships. If you haven't met them, introduce yourself and tell them who you are. 
Um, if you're an educator, say that. If you're a parent, say that. And if, if you do know them, just remind them who you are. And then the second part, tell them the bill and why this bill is important to you, mm-hmm. what it would do and cause harm to your uh, students, your profession, whatever that may be. And last and most important, thank them. Thank them for what they're doing. Thank them for their time. Uh, thank them for representing um, you. But be, I don't be direct, be relational, uh, and be uh, appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> is the best. Um, well, we we will keep an eye on all of these bills, Ellen, um, as the the session goes forward. Um, what what words of encouragement do you have for our members? right now who maybe are feeling, I mean, attacked is a word that one of you guys used earlier. That's a good way to describe it. How, what are words that you have for our members right now? I think I always go back to the encouragement that families are choosing our public schools. Families trust our teachers. Um, Our accountability measures, our transparency measures that we have in place makes me as a parent feel confident in that choice. Mm -hmm. And um, we know that even after the pandemic, numbers increase for public schools. We know this is a priority for families. So my encouragement to educators is know that it's been a hard year, but we support you. And that in order to ensure that public schools are strong, we need to step up this session to ensure that our voices are heard. Thank you so much, Ellen. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Wow, Carrie, we have got so much stuff happening. Man, it is that time of year. It it is. is February. I don't know where January went, but it is February. January, let's just pretend it didn't exist. It didn't exist. (laughs) It was... It was, but we're in February. All good yes. things happen in February. And, you know, it, it, it we're hitting a hard next week, as as you heard from our, our guest, um, you yes. know, uh, the session starts. And, yep. but um, elections, elections, big elections are happening around the state. Uh, to, on Tuesday, February 8th, we have 38 districts with bond issues. You know, yeah, this is elections. that time that uh, parents and, and ta- the, the community members get to say, this is a way that we can support our schools yep. and pass the bonds that they need. Yep. And uh, there is, as, as Carrie would say, there's a boatload of school board <laughs> elections. Yeah. So, you know, it happens, it's kind of, we're kind of, we like to do things different. So if you have more than two candidates running for a board seat, yeah. you have an election. Uh, on Tuesday in February, if you only have two people, then that's April. But if 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 there's possibility of a run, you know that you got to get to two people. Yeah, you've got an election, and you need to check out uh, your school district because some school districts, uh, their board members uh, represent the whole district, and some right. of them, like my district, it's a large district, so they just represent a certain area right. of the district. So do that. Right. There's municipality races happening. It is the day to get out and vote. And, uh, you know, we have our February election guide up on the homepage of the website. It's yes. beautiful. It's awesome. Um, so if you're not sure if uh, your county's not in red or like mine, it is in red, 
Yeah. I need to go figure out what I need to, I need to get to the polls yes. um, on that day. And I will be, cause that's our, our civic duty to do that. And then on, you know, we've been talking about our civication uh, dinners, our mm-hmm. civication back home where we're having dinners. And then uh, like we just said, uh, January, that did not exist. And we've had to <laughs> reschedule so many of those because it's important to say, say, but right. we do have one coming up on Thursday, February the 10th in Tahlequah. Yeah. Um, and we want you to come out, have dinner with us, um, meet your legislators. A great time just to sit down. This is about that relationships that we need to build. Mm-hmm. And it's a mm-hmm. great time to just sit down. And then, I mean, if we already have, we've got my favorite week of the year is February 20th through the 25th because it's public schools week. Yeah. And I love it. This is, uh, it is our time. We should be celebrating public schools week should be every week, but it is this week. Yes. It is February the 20th, not this week, but February 20th through the 25th and go to our website, okea.org slash PSW22. And on there, you're going to find, uh, resources, all kinds of activities that we're going to be doing during Mm -hmm. that week. But also what we need right now, there's a survey and and we want to hear from you why you love your public schools. And Carrie, I I hear the responses that we've gotten so far are just amazing. They're making me feel some things, Catherine. They're so good. I just, this, I mean, I know it's no surprise to anybody who's a school person, but school people love kids. Yeah, they, they love and kids they, and they will do whatever it takes to educate them, feed them, get them to school on time. They just, it's, it makes my heart so happy. Yeah. And public schools are truly the hub of our communities. Yep. They are our hub. Yep. And, and, then, and then last, uh, just kind of a quick reminder and also kind of, why well, I get to share some awesome news. Our organizing conference is scheduled for uh, right at the end of uh, public school week. Um, is February 25th and 26th. We have extended the early bird registration through February 11th. It's $35 per person. And then after February the 11th, it's $50. So mm-hmm. you want to, we want to make sure um, that you've had time to get your, your uh, members registered on that. But yeah. okay. Do you want to hear my exciting news? Yes. About it. Uh, it? We, we got confirmation yesterday. Um, one of our keynote speakers, um, well, is Ted Dentersmith, who is amazing. Who is a big deal. He is a big, a big deal. deal. He wrote the book. If you, if you could see me in person, you would see that I'm holding up the book. Um, <laughs> uh, what school could be where he, he, he is this entrepreneur that took the time to go around the United States to just the piece that I love is he sat down and he listened. And he learned. Say what? I know. That, <laughs> he, he listened and he learned what our schools are doing and what our schools yep. need. Yep. And, and, and we are so, we are just beyond thrilled to have him. That's so awesome. And then also, ah, we will also be having uh, the National Teacher of the Year, Miss Juliana today. Um, if you, if you saw the front cover of People Magazine, she was on there representing everybody, you know, all educators, um, that she is our national teacher of the year. She is from 
Las Vegas, Nevada. She teaches students with disabilities and also English language learners. She, her story is amazing. She is amazing. Uh, she is going to bring us that joy that we need to get back in our heart and, yeah. and uh, give us the inspiration that we need. So I am just uh, giddy. Um, Man, those are two amazing keynotes. Us. I know. Man, I come know. If, if nothing else. And of course, there's a bunch of other awesome stuff. Oh, happening, yeah. But like, if yeah. nothing else, like that is so cool. Yeah. So, well, and, and, and we're sch- scheduled for in-person, but we also have a virtual option if, yep. if you need that. And um, we, we, as always, are making sure that our people are safe. And so uh, if you're coming, you need to be fully vaccinated and uh we want to make sure that happens, but if you can't, um, we we have that virtual option for for our members. So get to okea.org/slash/better-together and sign up. Come and join us; it'll be super fun. It's gonna be awesome. Well, we want to say thank you so much to our guests today. Thank you to Ivy Riggs and Ellen Pogamiller, both of our Legislative Center here at OEA, for joining us. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Gary Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Giffett, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.